All right, we are in the, the second week of Advent, and being in the second week of Advent, um, and yes, I do have some festive socks, right? Can you all see them? They are Santa sharks. Yep, do, do, yeah, baby shark. So, uh, no, that's not going to be a song we'll sing later. No, Haley uh, picked them out, right? It was Haley that picked those out. Well, I, I don't know, whatever. Hey, the kids can wear festive socks, well, and Dan um, can wear festive socks, so I wanted to as well. But we are in the second week of Advent, and last week we started the, 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 uh, the Advent season in the series, um, and the, seri- the, the, the understanding of Advent is important to not only this series in which we're in, but it's really important to all of, of, of our life as a Christian. Um, Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, we talked last week, and how many of you uh, went throughout the week and dropped some Latin on any of your friends or family? Bobby, he's only, yeah, it's a, what was her reaction? Okay, right. <laughs> but uh, it, it does come from, uh, or the, the, the Latin word adventus uh, means uh, coming. So we are talking about the coming of Christ. Now when we talk about the coming of Christ, uh, we, we, we focus on uh, celebrating the, the, the first advent, but I, I, I'm I'm always stressing, and I think we always should, stressing the, the fact that we should be looking forward to uh, the, the second coming, the second advent. And, and being that that's the, the, the truth, I, I put, I think, I, I don't know if I put it in your notes this week. Yeah, I did. And then uh, one, one theologian says about the advent is that during advent, believers are reminded of how much we ourselves also need a Savior. And we look forward to our Savior's second coming, even as we prepare to celebrate his first coming at Christmas. So I know that I broke the tradition last week, and I did not mention six pounds, eight ounces, uh, little baby Jesus with golden fleece diapers. Anybody pick up on that? It's a couple of you? All right, so I got it out of my system right now. But what we have to understand is, is that the, the, the Christ child did not stay in the manger. Because if he stayed in the manger, there would be no room for me to put light bulbs and remote controls and everything. I'm just seeing if you all are awake. Remember last week, if you come up here to look at this manger, there's, there's that my stack. No, 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 but, but if, if Christ stayed in the manger, then he would have never uh, have gotten to the cross. And that was his whole purpose for coming. The whole purpose of, of him, as we read in Luke chapter 2 uh, this morning, of him coming and being born in a manger, in, in a, uh, a stall, in, in a, a barn. Were you born in a barn? <laughs> Jesus was. Right? Anybody ever, anybody ever get that when you were a kid growing up? Or your wife now? Shut the door! Were you born in a barn? Don't, don't point. Uh, <laughs> but our, our Savior was. Um, so understanding, though, that he didn't stay in the manger. He didn't stay in a manger, and he, he didn't stay in diapers. He, he, he lived a life that we couldn't live to die a death that we should have died. And understanding, though, that the reason he did all this was for a purpose. He came, and as we talked about last week, for the salvation of the world. We lit last week the prophecy candle. This week, even though the Shoreland told me I can't have fire in church, I lit the Bethlehem candle. And understanding that these candles in which we light, they're just symbolic. There's no special... There's no special... Well, it would be nice if they were scented. It would be really good. Uh, but there's nothing special about the candle other than what they represent. 
And the Bethlehem candle, it's a symbol of the preparation being made to receive the Christ child. So not only to receive, but receive and cradle the Christ child. Think about that. When you, when you, you uh, uh, parents that are in here, or even aunts, uncles, grandparents, whatever, when that baby, you, you get to uh, hold that baby for the, the, the first time, or, or you, uh, mama pops it out, and you're there, and they, they hand this baby. You receive this baby, but you don't just receive it and just hold it out here. Like, what do I do? Some of you, first time dads, right? How many of you guys looked at, like, is this right? That was me. With Haley, I'm like, I, I, don't, I, I don't think she's done. It's just, some, some's not right here. No, no, but we, we don't just hold this baby out in front of us. We, we receive and we cradle. And then when we're talking about the, the, the Bethlehem candle, it's the preparation to do that, to receive and cradle the Christ child. But remember, the Christ child did not stay in the, um, in the, uh, the, the manger. Um, he, 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 he lived this life that we, we, we read about throughout the Gospels. But what we have to also understand is he died the death in which we should, should have died, or we should die. Um, why am I stressing this? Well, when we talked last week about the salvation of the world, and we talked about, like, we're, we, we all, everybody sitting here right now, we're all caught in the middle. Caught in the middle of what? We're caught in the middle of the first advent and the second advent. And I said last week, like, why didn't Jesus just take his church up with him when he, when he ascended? Uh, after he, he walked the earth for 40 days and he ascended up into, into heaven, why didn't he just take his people with him, with him then? Well, there was a reason. It's, it's so that salvation could be extended to the whole world. And because Jesus did not take his people up with him right then, and because we are here and we're sitting here right now, and we, we have lives that consist in this present time. This time, if we're looking on a timeline, that if Jesus' first birth was over here and His second coming is over here, first advent, second advent, we're, we're, we're stuck here in the middle. I don't think we're stuck, though. We're placed with a purpose. And that purpose in which we have is so that, that salvation can be extended to the whole world. I would even go, and I don't have this here in my notes, but it's just a thought that um, God has a chosen people. And, and God's chosen people, he talks about throughout, the Bible talks about them uh, throughout history. And he has a, ch- a chosen people that, has been, that have been rebellious towards him. And, and because his people have been rebellious towards him, he has then extended salvation to the Gentiles, to us. Why did he do that? Well, the Bible tells us so that his people, his chosen people can come to the knowledge of, of him, to the saving knowledge of him. Well, what does that mean? That means, okay, so Christmas time, we always talk about lights and light of the world. You are to be a light of the world. Why, why are you to be a light of the world? Because God's using you in a way in which you don't even understand. When we, we talk about uh, uh, just nat- uh, or not natural disasters, but when we talk about current events and things that are happening, we kind of tend to, to, to uh, take uh, the, the, the East out of our picture and not, not see what's going on over there in, in Palestine and everything. But what we have to continue to remember is that's God's chosen people. And his plan is to, to rescue his chosen people. How is he doing that? Y'all are part of the plan. We, we all are part of this plan. So understanding that we're in the middle for a reason and that God has us here to do something. Last week I said that this statement that Christianity is not a spectator sport. If we're here, 
If you are here and, and if you are um, going to profess Christ as Lord, and if, you, if you're not, I, I, I pray, my, my prayer is that you, that you do one day profess Christ as Lord. But if you profess Christ as Lord, you are in the, the, the family, what is called the, uh, what is called the uh, Christianity or the Christian family or the family of God. And what we have to understand is we, if we are in the family of God, we can't just sit back and watch. We can't just sit back and watch the game and bite our nails as the Buckeyes go down by two touchdowns. Ooh! I, I, I don't know, but I'm, I, I felt that the, the prayer life of LifePoint Church increased last night. About 9 o'clock, it was like, man, I just felt it's like, oh my goodness. I know what you were praying for, but uh, same thing I was praying for. Um, but uh, no, it, it, it's, it's understanding that we can't just watch. We have to participate. And that participation uh, um, is what we're going to talk about today. And so the big idea that, that I want to, uh, to get across to, to everybody today is um, that we are to prepare for the second advent. So we must prepare for the second coming of the Lord. What do you mean i got to prepare? Don't, don't I just have to say, I love you, Jesus, and everything is good? Not if you want to stand in front of him and you, you don't want to uh, uh, cower in shame upon his arrival. A few weeks ago, I, I talked about when Christ does come back. And I don't think that we can talk about Christ coming back enough. But when we talk, and I talk about Christ coming back, there, there's in uh, um, uh, the epistle of John, it, it says that, that we, when he comes back, we are not to be ashamed and cower away. But we are to look at him and say, that's my dude, right? That's, that, that, that's my Savior right there. So what we have to understand is we need to prepare to, 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 to do that. And if we don't prepare to do that, we're, we're going to have that tendency is when, when he appears... We're going to be like, oh, snap. I, I like to say this, that, that um, I think that we should operate in our everyday life and we should think about um, the, the every second that if, if right now Jesus came back, what would he say about what you're doing? That would change. If you honestly put that assessment on your life, well, that would change. That would change the, the, the outcome. Because we talked about this in small group this weekend, which was an awesome Awesome time. Uh, on, on Thursday morning, our small group, we, we got into uh, the, the, the fact that um, all these changes that, that, that happen, uh, that, that God wants. God, God doesn't tell us to do something because He just wants to be this manipulative, capricious, you know, overbearing, domineering uh, ruler or dictator. God tells us to do things and tells us not to do things because He loves us. And he knows what's best for us. So as we're talking about this Advent series, and we're going to get into First Peter here in a second, when we're talking about this, what we have to understand is when God gives us instruction, and God gives us things that are sometimes hard, when we're reading Scripture and we come up across a portion of Scripture, excuse me, that we don't know, or, we, or maybe we know but we don't like, what we have to do is we have to understand it's there for our benefit. It's there for our benefit. So uh, let's do this uh, so I don't waste too much time. Uh, go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, last week we, we started out there. And um, last week the, 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 the focus was um, on verses 8 through 12. 
Because we, we talked about how uh, salvation is, uh, is was important to, to Peter to communicate to the, the, this church, but is important to us. Understanding, this is, this is vital, understanding that Peter is writing to Christians. He's writing to people who are saved, who would profess Christ as king, and he's still emphasizing the fact that this salvation, because he says, you know, you don't see him, but you love him. You don't see him, but you believe in him. This this salvation that is to come, this, this salvation of our souls is what we are to focus on. Understanding this is the plan and the purpose of God. He's like reminding them, hey, salvation is important. It's not something that uh, you, you hear the gospel one time and you say a prayer and, well, I, w- I had my salvation experience. No, 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 no. no. Salvation, it, it happens at a moment, but it's a, a constant moment-by-moment action because we have to be saved from, and I love this part, we have to be saved not only from Satan's sin and death. We need to be saved from ourselves. We have to be saved from ourselves. And we can't do that on our own. There's a tension that's going on. There's a struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And what we have to understand is this, this, this salvation, this saving act to be delivered from. that. Remember that judgment we talked about last week? The wrath of God. That's where we are delivered from. And Peter, as he just really unpacks all of that, the importance of salvation... And he even goes to the extent that as salvation is worked out and as we grow in our relationship with Christ, that we have angels looking on. I don't know about you, but I'm like, you ever have that feeling that you've been, somebody's been watching you or is watching you and it kind of freaks you out? Well, it's true because angels are watching you. But, but not only angels are watching you, the Father's watching us. But it says here that angels look they, 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 the angels long to look at what it is we're doing, how, how this salvation's all going, going to work out. And then in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, we have this transition a little bit. And how do we know that there's a transition here? Well, there's this important word. As you're reading through the Bible, you have to pick up on, on words, and there's this important word, and it says, therefore. So what, what that, that transition is, it's, going, it's, it's connecting what was just taught, the importance of salvation, it, the, the understanding that, that we have been born again into a living hope. And he says, okay, because all of that is true. That's what that therefore is there for. <laughs> right? Because all of that is true, there are actions that need to take place. There is something that you need to do. You can't just be a spectator. You just can't say, oh, I got my get out of hell free card. I got my Jesus cloak on. I'm good. I'm going to sit back and watch the game. No, 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 no. You have just got your ticket punched so you can get on the field. Right? It says here, therefore, preparing your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That, that verse right there, verse 13, is really the, 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 the crux, the, the, the most important uh, text that I want to highlight today. But as I, I highlight that, we're gonna, we'll, we'll continue down uh, all the way through verse 21 and explain um, uh, verse 13 here. Because in verse 13, I believe that we see the prize of preparation. 
How many in here are, 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 are uh, preparers? Come on. It's, it's, right? Some of you raise your hand that I'm saying you're a liar, but... I mean, you prepare things. You look ahead. Okay, anyways. Uh, no, so, but there's a prize in preparation. And the preparation in which we're talking about here, it says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. I love this. Preparing your minds for action. The, 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 the actual, what, what this says, and some of your translations may say it, it's actually a footnote. If you have, in the ESV, if you look, there's a footnote down there at the bottom. And it says, girding up the loins of your mind. How, how many of you talk about girding up your loins? <laughs> even, talk, even saying girding up your loins in church sounds awkward. And my wife is blushing. Um, no, she's not. She, she's over it by now. But, but, think, but understand what, 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 okay, Gerd, that must just be a Bible term. No, no, it, under, understanding what that really means, it's funny, but also it has huge impact. Because just think about it. During, during this, this time, during the, the, the time of the Old Testament, during the time of Jesus, during, during this time in history, everybody wore dress. They got real quiet real quick. Wait a second. I thought we weren't that type of church. We're not. I'm just saying. But no, everybody, everybody had a robe, a dress. So it flopped in, in the wind. So what, when, when it talks about girding up your loins, it was actually a term used for battle. It was a term used for traveling a distance with, with a, a, a purpose. So what would happen is you would take the, the, the bottom, the, that's called the hem, right? You take the hem of your skirt. Dudes, this is it's true. David did this too. Um, and he was a man after God's own heart. It's taking the, the, the hem of your skirt and, it, and it's tucking it into your belt. Girding up your loins. So you're, you're taking, all right, I'm, I'm, I got it. Why? So that you can move with ease. You can move faster. So your skirt's not flapping in the wind. Think about it in battle terms. If your skirt's flapping in the wind and you run by an enemy to get to somebody else, what do they got to do? Oh, they at you for wearing a skirt, right? No, they just got to be Chase Young and one arm you, grab the, the, the skirt, right, and just throw you down. No, you don't want all that flapping in the wind. You don't want it where it can trip you up. So it's preparing yourself for battle. That's what girding up your loins is. Preparing yourself so that you can engage in, in this warfare. Preparing yourself so you can, you can cover ground without tripping over the hem of your skirt. So when we think about this, or we see this here, when it says preparing your minds for action, think about this even further. So prepare, okay, prepare, okay. Oh, I just got to get this, my mind prepared. I got to clear my mind. No, 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 no. That's not what this, this is saying. This is that part that it says to prepare to think hard. Some of you are like, oh, crap, I don't want to do that. I got to think. Yes. Prepare to think hard. So that's a girding up, 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 up of your loins. It's to put oneself in a ready state. And I love this. To put oneself in a ready state for strenuous thinking. Putting yourself in a, in a ready state for strenuous thinking. It's readying the mind. Wait a second, I thought we were just to blindly follow after Jesus. No, it doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. 
God gave you a mind. He gave you. A, he made you you for a reason. Even if you have those, those questions and, and, and you're like, I don't really understand this, or I don't know if I, if I agree with that. Here's the deal. Prepare your mind. Therefore, since, since salvation is true, prepare your mind for action. Now, don't just prepare your mind so you can go punch somebody with, with the Bible. Anybody ever meet somebody like that? They want to punch you with the Bible? We call those Bible darts as well. That's not what's being said. It's just to, it's to ready the state for strenuous thinking. When, when Peter's talking here, he says, because salvation is real, there's something in which we have to, we have to get our minds ready. And then he goes on to say, and being sober-minded. I love these two together because it's almost like, it's a, in my mind, it's like a juxtaposition. It's, like it's juxtaposed, meaning you have things that, that, that appear opposite that are put together. But it's really not. It's okay. You need to ready your mind for thinking. And the way in which you ready your mind for thinking, it's okay, I'm going to... It's not coming up with a plan on how you can beat someone to death with all of your Bible darts. Or that you can out-debate someone. Or you can dig up enough dirt on someone. No, it's readying your mind saying, okay, God, I'm going to have the boldness and the courage and, and the confidence to say what it is you give me to say. But I need to do that in a way that is you. And this is that, that being sober-minded. This also, some of your translations will say, self-controlled. So it's not, I'm ready and just, wah! You know, Wolverine somebody, right? It's not you explode on them. No, it's, it's actually uh, what, what, what humility is. It's that power in reserve. It's knowing what to do because you've been, your mind is prepared, but knowing when to do it. I wish that we could have that, 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 that thought in just, just our lives because a lot of times what we have is we have a, a, lot of, a, a lot of thoughts like, okay, I know what to do, and then what we do is we, we try to push God into Him acting. Are we, are we to be readying ourselves for action? Absolutely. Are we to be sitting back and doing nothing? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is as we prepare and as we are ready for action, that sober-mindedness saying we have self-control. But there's a prize when we have this readiness, this preparedness, and this self-control. Look here in, uh, in verse 13, it says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you, on the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this preparing our minds for actions, the, the, the prize here that I'm, I'm referring to, is this setting your hope fully on the grace that will be uh, revealed to you, or brought to you. This setting your, your, your hope fully. This, this goes beyond thinking. And I love how Peter explains this here because too many times we think that hope is in our head. Hope isn't in your head, hope is in your heart. Now, I don't mean to feel, all, I don't want you to feel all hallmarky right now. This is not Hallmark Channel. It's, oh, it's just a feeling. No, 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 no. It's a conviction of the soul. That's what the hope is. That's the hope when he's talking here. Set your hope fully. Not, not, not just a little bit. It's to complete, the complete degree. It is to the entire extent of. The, the hope that, that if you die right now, you're going to be with Jesus. That hope, it's set fully. 
fully on the grace in which God is going to, to, to bring to us in the revelation of, of Jesus. What, do I, what does that mean that, that he'll bring this <clears throat> the, the, on the grace that will be brought to you? Well, don't we already have God's grace? Yes, we have God's grace. But to be honest, we don't really truly understand the extent of God's grace right now. We, we think we have, oh, I, I, I'm, he, God, God, I don't deserve this, and, and, and He gave it to me. Yes, absolutely. We can enjoy God's grace right now. We can enjoy the outcome here. When it says set your hope fully on the grace, we can enjoy, okay, we're setting our hope that when we die, that we're not going to be separated from Him, but we're going to be with Him forever. We can set our hope on that grace. We can understand that that's what the grace in which God has given us, and we don't deserve that, but we don't fully understand the magnitude of, of God's grace until we won't understand that, we don't understand that, and, and, and we will understand that one day though. And that one day in which we're going to understand the fullness of God's grace, as it says in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now that's not the book of Revelation. No, 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 that's the, this, uh, that, that word there, the, the apocalypse. What does that sound like? Apocalypse, same word. So that's the second coming of Christ. Upon the second coming of Christ, we are going to experience the full grace of God. So anybody that says, man, my, my life is good. God, God has given me, His grace is upon me, and, and I'm, 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 I'm seeing Him move. Hallelujah! That's awesome. But that pales in comparison. It fails to compare to the grace in which is going to be revealed. When the, when the sky breaks open and we see Christ coming on the clouds with the army with Him, when we see that, that's what we're going to understand the, 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 the God's genuine goodness, His generous goodness, that grace He has towards us. As we read that, therefore preparing your minds for action, we understand that this preparation is, is important. We're to set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought. It's not here yet, but it will be. We can, we can look and we can have a, 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 just a little tinge and a taste of grace. But it's going to be so much sweeter when He comes. But it doesn't stop there. Because as, as, he, uh, as Peter here, he says this, this is what we need to do, and we can see this prize of preparation. The question, at least that comes in my mind, well, how do we prepare then? What does preparation look like? Because if we are to prepare our minds for actions, we know that there's something that has to take place, and we know that this self-control is in here, and God has given us this mind to think. And He's given, okay, here's what I want you to do. He's, given, he's saying, prepare your mind. What does that look like? What does that look like in, the life, in my life? What does that look like in your life? I think that this is where uh, Peter explains it here. Four points in which I think he, he explains it. And in your notes it says that, that uh, preparation is knowing, and there's four things here. The first thing we see in verse 14, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. So the first one is, pre preparation is knowing what not to do. 
Now, don't fall into the, the, this mindset of this is legalism, or you're to do this and not to do that. What we have to do is when God gives us the to-dos and not to-dos, those, remember, those are for our benefit. Now, if the church just makes up to-dos and not to-dos, you, have to, you can't sing this, you can't wear this, you can't watch this, you can't go to this. Well, no, no, listen, it's not up to the church, it's not up to any man. It's, okay, what does God say? And God is very clear of what it is that He says. So here, preparation is knowing what not to do. It's this, uh, he says, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. This former ignorance, if we look, at, look deeper into it, this is the, the, the sinful ignorance. It's the lack of knowledge, especially that leads to reprehensible behavior. Just think about that. At one time, it says that we were ignorant of, of things. We are ignorant that this is right and this is wrong, and this is what God says, and this is what the world says, and we have to discern. We are ignorant of that. He, here he says, don't be, don't be ignorant anymore. You can't be ignorant anymore. It's identifying these disobedient areas in our lives. I, I, I love this. This was something else that we talked about in small group this week, was the fact that uh, too often what we try to do is we try to be like Jesus, and we try to be obedient to everything that God says, right? You've heard me in the past that we need to quit trying to be like Jesus and just let Jesus be Jesus inside of us. And I think the, 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 the first step, and I'm not saying this is the only step, but I think the first step in this is identifying the disobedient areas in your life and stop. What if you just did that? Because what's what we try to do, and every single person in here, don't, don't, you don't have to poke and look and, and, and you don't have to even glance around the room, but every single person in here does this, and we need to stop doing this. We need to stop thinking that we can just be over-obedient and our, our disobedience will be overlooked. Well, if we really excel in our obedience, God's not going to really look at the disobedience. That is the lie of the devil. All sin must be punished. All sin is, going, is seen by God. We have to understand, so if we're looking at this, we, have to, so we look at preparation as knowing what not to do. How about if we just start with areas in our lives that we know for certain that we are being disobedient and just take that moment and just say, ask God, God, give me what I need to be obedient in that area. And, and, and start with one step. If I were to walk out that door, how many steps is it going to take? I don't know as many as it takes, but it's going to be one foot in front of the other. One step at a time, right? What if we started with just saying, okay, God, I just where am I being a disobedient, and, and, and how can I change that? And being open to that. Understanding, understanding this is the preparation, and, and we, we are to be preparing ourselves for the, 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 the second coming of Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The second thing here we see in verses 15 through 17. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each, each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your time of exile. Preparation is knowing what to do. So the first one was knowing what not to do. The second one is knowing what to do. And what is it that we are to do? He says, 
Be holy in all your conduct. Conduct yourselves. Behave. This is the way in which you act. This is your behavior. Remember a few weeks, or yeah, it's been a few weeks ago now, maybe a couple months ago, that we talked about your behavior as a result of your beliefs. And we have to understand here that he says to be holy. And if God tells us to do something, he gives us the ability to do this. Well, I can't do this. I just, I, I struggle too much with this, or I struggle too much with that. You're letting the flesh win. You're letting it win. Because the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that lives inside you. And if the Spirit of God has the power to raise the dead, He has the power for whatever it is that you're dealing with. So when it says here, be holy in all your conduct and conduct yourselves with fear, this fear, this is, this is the reverence and the aweness of God. This is understanding that knowing what to do is first and foremost. I love, I love the fact when James is talking about spiritual warfare and everything, and he's talking about the attacks of the devil, he says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Too many times what we try to do is we come into a, a situation in our life, and we try to, uh, I'm just going to resist the devil. Well, resisting is good, but you're, you're missing the first step. And what it is you are to do, preparation is knowing what to do, submit to God. Peter will say further on in his book here that he, he says, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God, and at the proper time He will exalt you. That humbling yourself, that, that submitting to Him, trusting that He is who He says He is and He will do what He says He's going to do. Preparation is knowing what not to do. Preparation is knowing what to do. These next two, I, I think, are going to hit a little bit closer to you because the first one's like, I don't like being told what not to do. I don't like being told what to do. No one in here would say that, right? No. All right, preparation. Third one here. Preparation is knowing the reason. So if we're told knowing what not to do and we're told that we're knowing what to do, I think it's important that we give you the reason. And that's what Peter did here. Look at verse 18. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways. That fe those feudal ways, that's that ignorance, the, 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 the former ignorance. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold. You weren't bought with, with, with silver and gold. You weren't bought from, uh, uh, from those feudal ways with, with, with things that are material or perishable. It says in verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Knowing is, or preparation is knowing the reason. The reason we are, are to prepare ourselves and that we can prepare ourselves is because we were ransomed. What does that mean? That means we were bought. We were bought with a price. Now, I, I get that, that this season is all about the cradle, but what happens is we forget why the cradle was there. The cradle is for the cross. And at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, right? That's a song we should probably sing here, Jake. But understand that it's at the cross that the precious blood of Christ was spilled. Now, you know, I'm, I'm not jumping back into to, to my old Baptist roots. Nothing wrong with that. But I think too, too often we forget about the blood. 
We forget about the shed blood of Christ. We want to remember the cradle and, and six pounds, uh, eight ounces, little baby Jesus and gold fleece diapers. We, want to, we don't want to think about Him that way. We don't want to think about the bloodied, naked Jesus hanging on the cross because I put Him there. Well, I didn't really put Him there. No, every sin that you have committed that I have committed put, put Him there. And understanding it was for a reason. Here it says, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways. I can't get away from what it is, this sin in my life. Here's the problem. You don't understand that you've already been ransomed from it. You ain't got to do it anymore. You're choosing to do that. You're choosing those ways. The ways in which it says here, you've been ransomed. How have you been ransomed? Because of the blood of Christ. The reason here, preparation is knowing the reason. The reason that we're able to not do the, the, the things that, that God says not to do. and the, the, the reason that we're able to do the things that God says for us to do is because we have the power to do that. There's power in the blood. Here's another hymn. There's power, power, wonder-working power. Where? In the blood of the Lamb, right? There is power, power, wonder another one we can sing. But understand that that's the reason. That's the reason in which we have. Number four, not only do we have or knowing what not to do, not only do we know what to do, not only do we have the reason for that, there's a purpose. Preparation is knowing the purpose. Verse 20, he was foreknown. He here being who? Jesus. There you go. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. No, no, think about this for a second. I didn't, there was another text I wanted to read earlier on in Matthew chapter 2 that talks about when the wise men came to Jesus and it prophesied, they, they, and it says about the prophecy of him being born in Bethlehem. But understanding that Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of, of the world and was made manifest in the last times, what this means is in God's timing, he sent his son. And if it was, and you have to think about this for, for a moment because there were thousands of years, when I say thousands, a couple thousand years in between, um, well, even now a little bit more than that, maybe 2,500, it depends on how you want to do your, your, uh, your chronology, chronology, right? I think that's the word. Anyway, we'll go with it. But. There's a couple thousand years from the, the, the promise given to Abraham and then the coming of the Messiah, the first coming of Jesus. But it was in God's timing that He sent His Son. No one could rush it. It was in God's timing. So what we have... Okay, what, do you, what does that mean, Lee? What, what do we, it's going to be in God's timing that His second advent, His second coming is going to happen. So what we have to do is we have to understand that there's purpose here. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest. He, he was seen. He came in the last times. Why? This is awesome. Why? For the sake of you, who through Him are believers in God. Why did Jesus come? To provide the way for us to have a relationship with the Father. He goes on here and says that, "...who raised Him from the dead." And gave him glory. A couple of my favorite two words in all the Bible. So that your faith and hope are in God. 
Why did all of this happen? Why did the, 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 the first advent happen? Why is the second advent happen? Why do we have faith and we have hope? It's, so, it's all a result of what Jesus has done and He will do. So that your faith and hope are in God. It's the object of our faith. Remember this. It's not just in our heads. Too many people would get... We have faith in our heads. We have hope in our heads. We have love in our heads, whatever. But it's not in our hearts. Because if it stays in our heads, what happens is it doesn't come into action. And when the, the tough uh, life happens, we can easily just dismiss thoughts. But the fact of the matter, if it's in our heart, you can't dismiss the, 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 the stirring of the heart. You can try, but God's a nag. And thank Him for it. He's going to convict your heart where you, you, have to, you have to do something. You have to make that decision. You have to say, yes, I'm going to do what He's saying, or no, I'm going to do what I want to do. Or I can just tell Him, well, not yet. Well, that's still saying no, and I'm being disobedient. As we look at the preparation or the prize of preparation, we see that it is knowing what not to do, knowing what to do, knowing the reason for it, knowing the purpose. And our final statement here. Being prepared for Christ's advent, that's the second coming, changes the way you live your life in the middle. Remember, we're caught in the middle here. There's a reason that we're here. The reason that we're here, so salvation can be extended to the, the whole world. So that preparedness, that being prepared for Christ's coming, that, that, that preparing our minds and being sober-minded and understanding that we are to set our hope. This is not just for you. What well, says it's for you. Yeah, yes, it's for you so that you can go and that you can be. Being prepared for Christ's advent changes the way in which you live your life in the middle. How about it? What if we just live differently? And I'm not saying just be hypocrites and, and, and say things, but what if we lived differently? We just did a whole series on, on creating culture and, and how we're to, as a church, live out the Laylon principle. What if we did that in the middle? We use that to prepare our minds and understand what it is, how God's church, how His household, the pillar and buttress of truth, as Paul explains to Timothy, how we are to, to, to be in this time of, I'm, 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 I'm preparing. That's, that should be our focus. Let, let's prepare for Christ's return. Individually, but corporately. Let's take what it is we're learning and do something with it. Preparing your minds for what? Action. Can't be a spectator. Let's pray. Father God, I, uh, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, 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 some of these tough realities, these tough truths, that there are things that we need not to do. Not so that we can be legalistic, not so we can be uh, putting ourselves on a pedestal, but so we can be obedient to you. So God, I, I, I pray that as you have uh, made known to us today 
these truths, that, that we do something about them. That our life is changed because we are preparing for you to come again. It is not just in our head, but the hope is in our heart. That the actions of our life that, that, that are seen by others are evident and evidences of our, our, our true belief that you were here and you're coming again. All because you ransomed us and you're going to take us home. So Father, if, there, if there's someone here that, that has not that um, maybe they, they've had that, that head knowledge where I know a whole lot. I mean, and they're in the same boat that I was in years ago. They, they knew a lot in their head, but it hasn't dropped to their heart. God, let it drop. And when it drops, let it drop big. Father, for those of us who, who have it in our heart, but it seems to be that, that our, our hope and, and our faith in you is kind of, it's a little bit dormant. We, we really truly believe it. When push comes to shove, we'll, 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 we'll proclaim you, but we're, we're letting our, 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 our flesh get the best of us. God, for those, I, I pray that, that we can just do it as we talk about it and, and identifying those, those areas of ignorance and that, those areas of um, disobedience. So we can, as we, as we identify them, we can pray and ask for your power to overcome them, knowing that you already have. But God, experiencing that head-to-heart movement. So Father, as we, um, as we end here, uh, God, I ask that, that the, the words in which were spoken, the, the, the melodies in which were, were sung, were all for your glory. Lord Jesus, we, we await your second coming. And we pray this in your name. Amen.